Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to the Lisa Andy and Friends Show. I'm very, very happy to be with you this week and to invite onto the show a brand new guest for me. I'm meeting him for the very first time today. With us today is Josh Holden Reed. And Josh serves as the Vice President and Executive Director for Napa Legal Institute. He holds a BA in Public Policy Leadership from the University of Mississippi and a Certificate in Applied Religion and Public Policy from Pepperdine University's School of Public Policy. He's currently pursuing a master's degree at Hillsdale College's School of Government. And he joins us today to talk about the good work of Napa Legal Institute. Welcome to the show, Josh Holden Reed. It's a pleasure to be with you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. I know um, a little bit about um, the Napa Institute, but your organization, the Napa Legal Institute, is brand new to me. But before we dive into discussion about work, I'd love to just know a little bit about, more about you and kind of your faith journey. Absolutely. So I'm actually a convert uh, to the Catholic faith. Um, so um, actually, I, I moved up to Washington, D.C. and 2013 to do an internship. And uh, when I was up there, I sort of had a kind of a nominal Christian faith, was sort of working in politics and policy. And interestingly enough, all the most interesting people that I was meeting in policy and politics happened to be uh, devout Roman Catholics. And so I was kind of thinking to myself, I was wondering, what do they know that I don't? Um, So I actually started just out of pure curiosity. I went to sit in on an RCI class just to see learn a little bit more about Catholicism, and I was hooked. And before I knew it, uh, I came into the church um, five years ago. And uh, if someone asked me, you know, five years ago, where do you see yourself in five years? I don't think I could have told them uh, leading a uh, Catholic lay apostolate. So um, (laughs) I'm very blessed. So I'm very blessed to be doing so and very excited about the work that we're doing. That's awesome. And um, is Napa Legal Institute affiliated with um, the Napa Institute? 
Yes, we are. So we are a separate organization, but Napa Institute is our sister organization. So uh, Tim Bush is the chairman of our organization, and he um, had a vision along with the president and general counsel uh, of Napa uh, of uh, Napa Legal Institute, John Piper, um, when they were kind of surveying the space. You know, because Napa Institute is uh, very much focused on sort of a you know the Catholic lifestyle and sort of figuring out. Uh, evangelization in a sort of uh, next America environment, um, as uh, Archbishop Charles Chaput used to say. And uh, our organization, Napa Legal Institute, in relation to Napa Institute, um, basically what happened was Tim was trying to find an organization that would be focused on basically the non-litigation side of sort of religious liberty issues. And so this really meant trying to, he was, you know, he was looking for an organization originally to support um, that would basically help, um, you know, spiritual entrepreneurs, Catholic lay apostle leaders have a better knowledge of taxes, corporate structures, and a tangle of local, state, and federal labor laws and regulations. And after serving the space, he didn't really find an organization sort of filling that need. So that's when um, he and John Piper decided to start a new organization um, in partnership with Napa Institute called the Napa Legal Institute. And so that's sort of our focus is we want to basically – um, help Catholic nonprofits be better Catholic nonprofits. And again, it's by giving them that sort of education that helps them um, stay compliant with uh, local and federal law. Amazing. And the organization is relatively new, only founded in 2019. So you're, you're new to this role as well, correct? I am, yes. So we, we launched officially in uh, January, or no, actually February of uh, 2019. I came on in January. So I had about a month of onboarding before launching full-time and uh, haven't looked back since. And I'm sure when you came on board that you knew you'd be invited to work on lots of very interesting things, but I doubt very seriously that you could have anticipated what we've gone through in the last few months. How does um, the impact of COVID-19 and the coronavirus kind of, um, how has it flavored the work that you are doing uh, today at the Institute? Well, you know, amazingly enough, um, sort of the, uh, the, the aspects of the, of the crisis that we've really been focused on is trying to help uh, faith-based organizations and, you know, lay apostolates navigate this difficult time. And it actually kind of, in, in, an, in a providential way, uh, the crisis really pointed to us to where we could work on sort of our bread and butter of what we do, which is basically helping um, – you know, religious nonprofits uh, not only stay afloat, but thrive in difficult times. And of course, you know, we've had we've seen different things like the CARES Act being passed, which is, you know, offered federal loans to different nonprofits and trying to help uh, create content that would be useful and timely to lay apostolate leaders so that they would know whether, you know, they should or should not apply for a federal loan or what are their options if they're, you know, facing a tight financial spot. Um, so we've actually, in pursuit of that, we created an entire library on our website, which is at NapaLegalInstitute.org, um, basically our COVID-19 library that is focused on both sort of the managerial aspects of navigating a Catholic organization through a crisis, but then also sort of navigating through the policy and legal aspects of navigating through a crisis. And um, because of that, we're actually creating more content now than we actually ever have before since we started, um, because the need is so uh, near near for us as we try and help Catholic lay apostles, you know, figure out a way to not only 
navigate the crisis, but also thrive and come out better on the other end. Well, let's talk about that need for just a moment, because certainly, you know, we believe that faith-based organizations are important at any time. Um, But I don't think that most of us would argue with the fact that during a crisis, you know, one of the very uh, immediate thoughts that we have, well, first of all, we look to, you know, our medical care team at times like this, but our spiritual care and our spiritual well-being is so important in helping us kind of right ourselves during these times. But I also think, I mean, I I started what has become a, a growing um at the time that I ran, it was not a nonprofit. It is now since it's been acquired. But when I began my organization, I was not an expert in business. I was somebody who had a heart for God and a desire to learn and to connect with other people. And I think probably a lot of Catholic apostolates are that way. And so you're dealing with maybe people who have um, a true mission, but not a lot of business savvy. Is there hope that we can kind of um, stem the tide of what we're working against at times like this? Absolutely. Um, so, Lisa, you know, that's that's the whole entire reason why Napa Legal Institute exists is, you know, we recognize that, you know, there is something that we call spiritual entrepreneurship, right? Like you yourself are a spiritual entrepreneur. You know, you have a heart for God. You want to serve the common good. So in order to do that, um, you know, again, in the 21st century, it's that requires understanding, again, like having a better knowledge of taxes, corporate structure, you know, labor laws and things that you would need to know to set up your organization so it can succeed and accomplish its mission. So, you know, in recognition, and again, I always joke with folks who ask us about Napa Legal Institute um, when we're talking about spiritual entrepreneurship, I say, well, most folks who start, you know, Catholic nonprofits or faith-based nonprofits don't do so because they enjoy filling out IRS forms, you know, that, <laughs> but, but, they, but that's something they have to do. And it's an important thing. And if that's something that you do incorrectly, um, or you do so without uh, good outside counsel who, under- who knows what they're doing, you might uh, set yourself up for an unforced error sometime down along the road. So we, you know, we're just trying to make sure as we step into this space that spiritual entrepreneurs have the tools and resources they need to accomplish their religious mission. Can we talk about what that looks like on a nuts and bolts basis? So somebody who's out there is listening, who has an interest in availing themselves of some of the services that you provide. What what does that specifically look like and what's involved in connecting with you to uh, to seek your expertise? Absolutely. So uh, to, to that end, we actually uh, we recorded and filmed with our friends at EWTN a full webinar series on basically the sort of the start and finish of what it means to set up a Catholic nonprofit. Um, So I I would encourage your listeners to go to NapaLegalInstitute.org and again, visit our webinars. And you will see as you look through our list of webinars that we have, the first, uh, first series of webinars that we have is exclusively focused again on, hey, you know, maybe I have this great idea, you know, I want to start a small pro-life outfit in my, you know, local town or city, and but I have no idea where to start. How, what do I even do to begin? So um, we have a webinar that sort of where our president and general counsel, uh, John Piper, and one of our working group members, Bill Kleinman, who's an attorney in Washington, D.C., walk our, our, you know, our viewers from start to finish on what it takes. You know, again, like you were saying, the nuts and bolts when it comes to start, you know, setting up a 501c3 exempt, tax-exempt organization. And so... 
In addition to that, we also have several white papers um, that also help explain this in detail. And we're actually in the process of soon publishing what we're calling a uh, nonprofit toolkit in which, again, we uh, basically help walk um, folks who reach out to us and are interested, walk them through the step-by-step process. That's why it's called a toolkit of here's what you need to know if you want to start a you know religious 501c3 in your particular state. And this is um, maybe I'm trying to think of a polite way to ask this, but um, what what type of resources are needed financially to for an organization to get involved in using your services? So we offer um, all of our resources free of charge. Um, we, of course, ask that people consider, you know, pray, prayerfully consider making a charitable donation to NapoliGlenstitute.org because, again, you know, we're a Catholic nonprofit as well. And the reason why we're able to offer our resources for free um, to folks who want them is because uh, we're financially supported by, you know, donors and foundations who also uh, understand the value of the mission that we're trying to do, which is what we call empowering evangelization. I love it. And I am I hope that doesn't sound crass for me to ask that question, but I wanted it to come from you that people would not sit out there no, and think, no. well, I can't afford to help, to, you know, to do this right now. You know, um, one thing that's been very clear to me in the last um, two months is, you know, just the number of organizations that we will lose as a result of the, the financial crisis that we're going through and many, many beautiful apostolates that will go by the wayside. But if somebody is out there right now and... Um, and they're, you know, they're heading up something like this, or they work for a faith-based leader, um, you know, what can we be doing? It's not too late for us to put efforts in place to ensure our survival, correct? So what should maybe some of the first steps that people do to protect themselves and their their apostolates? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, obviously, is, you know, many faith-based organizations are thinking about um, especially during a difficult time like this, you might be, you know, worried about, you know, how how can I make payroll? How can I, you know, maintain the funding of the organization, um, staying afloat? And then what happens if I can't make payroll or if I can't do something to keep my organization afloat? And again, you know, we've highlighted extensively, and, and we actually, our staff attorney uh, Maggie Beecher wrote a in-depth white paper um, that's published online for free. Again, on our website, uh, that's analyzing the CARES Act. And the sort of and how it relates to sort of federal assistance for nonprofits, and then of course that would include uh, religious nonprofits. Um, so again, it, it depends on the sort of uh, identity of each organization. You know, we we basically encourage folks who've kind of reached out and asked, should I apply for federal assistance? And our, and again, our our, whole, our only thing is to say back in return is, you know, well. As with any sort of you know federal program or federal assistance, you know, you always kind of have to read the fine print. So if you're applying for the, you know, the PPP loans for, uh, you know, again, for helping with payroll exclusively, you have to understand that if you do that, you're subject to the Small Business Administration's um, non-discrimination guidelines, which are pretty broad. And that might be um, problematic for certain religious nonprofits. Um, So, again, it, it really depends. You know, each organization needs to consult with their board and, you know, sort of rely on the virtue of prudence of understanding, you know, hey, would, would federal assistance um, complicate the sort of uh, religious integrity or identity of my organization? You know, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm not going to speculate on whether it does or does not, but I would only say, you know, I would only encourage 
spiritual entrepreneur to simply, you know, kind of hit the pause button before doing something like that or seeking federal assistance and really trying to understand, okay, what are the strings attached? Because there, there really are always strings attached. And sometimes there are strings that aren't problematic. Sometimes there are strings that are, are problematic. But uh, speaking in a personal capacity, I would say I, I always tell folks that it's always better to rely on friends and, um, you know, ministry friends, donors that have been supporting your organization in the past and, you know, basically reaching out to them and seeing if they will be, if they would be willing to basically step up their commitment. Um, I'm always, you know, I'm a big believer in civil society and I think, uh, you know, finding friends who will maybe step in and help fund your organization through a difficult time is not, I mean, it, it might seem like a hard ask, but, you'd be surprised. Uh, it's usually during times of crisis where, you know, friends who have capacity or know of others who have capacity are willing to step up because they recognize the importance of the work of faith-based nonprofits. You actually answered a question that I had um, that came to mind, which was this this sense of, you know, as we see so much hardship around us financially, you know, what how we as ministry leaders need to be recognizing the gift that our organizations give to people um, and how we can kind of give do that hard ask that you're talking about I mean, in a way that's graceful and productive. Well, any advice there? Absolutely. So um, I used to work in an organization um, called the Heritage Foundation, the public policy think tank in Washington. And uh, their development team has this sort of uh, famous saying that a lot of other organizations have adopted since then, which is, if you have current donors or past donors, stay near, clear and dear. And basically what that means, you know, stay clear, you know, cl- you know communicate the results of what your organization has done in the past. Uh, stay near, you know, feel free to just call them up and say, hey, you know, things are really difficult. How are you doing? You know, your your ask doesn't have to happen on the front end. You know, you don't want to obviously leave a desperate voicemail saying, oh, it's uh, a, a desperate voicemail, excuse me, saying, oh, my gosh, you have to help me. You know, I'm treading water. It's good to just start reaching out to friends and just sort of kind of reconnecting that bridge and basically saying, hey, how are you? How are you managing this crisis? And oftentimes, um, those friends who have maybe supported your lay apostolate in the past uh, would will basically just offer that information, say, oh, you know, I've been hit pretty hard. Or maybe they say, oh, actually, my assets haven't been affected by this. How are you doing? And then that actually opens up the door for a conversation about what your needs might be financially. I love that, Josh. I want to ask you kind of personally how the work that you've been doing and specifically your work in the last few months um, to help others has has blessed you during what's a very challenging time. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've we have really learned how to do more with less at Napa Legal Institute. And I mean, that's by virtue of the Holy Spirit, Lisa, because I mean, it's an amazing thing. I mean, we have literally doubled the output of our content in just the last six weeks because the need is there. And actually, the thing is, the thing about our content is we don't just generate it as a team. Um, we have several working groups of volunteer professionals, which are, you know, those professionals come from law and finance and development, and they've been reaching out and we've been reaching out to them and they've been just offering their, their time and have been writing and creating content for us on our blog page through our white papers so in, in an amazing way, um, you know, this crisis has really brought our network together to really kind of lean in and basically serve those who serve others, because that's really what it's all about at Napa Legal Institute, because 
Um, again, you know, this gets back to our mission about empowering evangelization, because what we're trying to do is find those organizations, find those lay apostolates who are on the front lines doing the Lord's work and giving them the tools and the resources they need to succeed. And the way we do that is we rely on volunteers who are lawyers or accountants who are, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit to create content that will be helpful to their, you know, brothers and sisters on the front lines. It's beautiful. So there may be somebody actually out there listening who has those types of skill sets that might be able to become a part of your mission. And what's the best way to reach out to you? The best way, honestly, is to email us at info at org. Again, that's info at org. And those emails go actually straight to my inbox and I read all of them. So if, you know, and again, you can find all that information also by just going to our website. You can just Google Napa Legal Institute and you'll find us. Um, but again, you know, we're open to, you know, of course, we are open and uh, diligently working to expanding our network and expanding our footprint so we can give people, folks, you know, professionals opportunities to uh, really live out their faith uh, through their professional skill sets in service of others. Well, Josh, such a beautiful mission, and I just want to thank you. Are there any kind of closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would simply say, you know, I would just encourage everyone to keep perspective. Um, It's, you know, it's it's a trying time. It's a difficult time. Sometimes it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But again, I mean, this really gets back to uh, the reason why we chose our theme verse, which is Galatians 6, 9. Um, and basically, you know, the, the theme of that verse is to not grow tired of doing good, for in due time we shall reap our harvest if we do not give up. And that really goes back to the, forti- you know, to the virtue of fortitude and really keeping the faith in a difficult time and, you know, and really asking yourself, well, what is faith if faith can't be tested? And so, you know, we, I just want to encourage your listeners, if they're struggling, if they're trying to keep their uh, lay apostolates afloat, or they know of friends and family members who are working in sort of the nonprofit sphere and are needing assistance and needing guidance that, you know, Napa Legal Institute stands ready to help them uh, figure out how to get through this crisis. Beautiful. Well, I hope I have a chance to meet you someday in person. But until then, I just want to thank you for your time today, and especially for the beautiful work you're doing. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, and I really appreciate it. Well, friends, that is it for this week's episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. Uh, we You can find all of our previous episodes, information about Josh and the Napa Legal Institute, and all of my contact information at my website at lisahendy.com. And if you're holding your phone in your hand, just click on those show notes right there, and you'll have links directly to Napa Legal Institute and their COVID-19 resources. I want to thank you for being a part of this community and for all the good that you do. Until next time, I hope you have an awesome day. God bless. Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by. Have you ever been put on the spot and asked to explain or defend Catholic teaching on sensitive topics such as abortion, same-sex marriage, or the Eucharist? What to say and how to say it is a straightforward and practical resource by Brandon Vogt, best-selling and award-winning author of Why I Am Catholic, and You Should Be Too. He offers essential tools for articulating even the most contentious aspects of your Catholic faith with clarity and confidence. 
You can get a copy of this important new book at AveMariaPress.com. Use code TALKFAITH to get 25% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash breadboxmedia. Experience coffee like never before. 